On this episode of Quiet Please, I talked to Shay Knight, caddy for Victor Hovland. He's such a positive dude. Love being out on the golf course with him. Such a steady influence. We get some interesting reaction, including reaction to his player having a Tinder profile. That's been blowing up on social media right now. All of the good golf they've been playing this year and previously. There's a lot of answers to the technical aspects of why this team has been so solid. We sneak in some Ryder Cup talk. Enjoy this episode of Quiet, Please. Joined now by Shay Knight, caddy for Victor Hovland, FedEx Cup champ, tour champ. They had the BMW champ, uh, the Memorial earlier this year, up to number four in the World Golf Rankings. All this year, teeing it up in Rome in a couple weeks in the Ryder Cup. Shay, thanks for your time. Hey, happy to be here. It's good to see you, Johnny. It's good to see you, see you too. It's always fun to spend time with you. I love being out on the golf course with you, caddying with you. You do such a good job, and it's awesome to see Victor just kind of like skyrocketing to the top of the golf world right now. I got a lot of interesting things to ask you, but first I wanted to, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I, I I'm curious. I opened my phone last night. I hadn't looked at it all day long, get on social media. And I see Victor Hovland's Tinder page is like trending all. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you had any comment on that. Now I would, I understand if you want to say no comment, but I was just curious your reaction. Cause it was, I mean, everybody's on this is like pictures of him with his trophies, you know, Victor 25, like any other guy, but it's a little different. <laughs> I didn't even know he had a Tinder page, so I've got no comment on that. I love it. All right. That's perfect. <laughs> like this, this, he does his thing, you do yours. I mean, exactly. I just poof at first, but it was like every uh, Too funny. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to ask him about that. That's funny. Uh, and then also, you know, I, I know I think I've asked about this before, but these – and I forget the name. One of the guys used to play on tour, but this Norwegian announcing duo, uh, these guys are just having the time of their life right now. Have you had any interactions with them since we spoke last? I haven't. Uh, one, of the, one of the guys' names, I think, is Henrik Bjornstedt. Yes, he used to play. He used to play on tour, and, um, yeah, he's doing the commentary now in for the Norwegians, and it, it's hilarious listening it to them. It's You know, they get... Yeah, just their emotions. It's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's exciting to watch. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, the next time we're gonna see some clips of them, we'll be at the Ryder Cup. I mean, you guys will be you know winning some matches, and and I'm sure they'll just be blowing up. So that that'll be fun to see. Um. All right. Let's let's just go back to Chicago a second here. I mean, you guys had that amazing final round, uh, 61 back nine, 28. I guess you've had a couple weeks to reflect on it, or even just that week between. Chicago and East Lake, you know, what were your thoughts on just how that all came together for you guys? Yeah, it's interesting because he's, you know, he's obviously been playing really well and, you know, Joe Mayo has been doing an amazing job with him uh, with the short game and, you know, with, with his swing as well. And Joe said at some stage, it's all going to come together and you're going to blow the field away. And that's exactly what he did come Sunday to go and shoot 61 on Sunday, uh, 28 on the back nine, you know, I think he, uh, you know, I think he zoned out a little bit and he just went into uh, PlayStation mode. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, you were playing was, some video games out there, yeah? 
It was definitely playing some video video games, that's for sure. He, he stayed aggressive. He did exactly what he needed to do, and he held the putts, which, you know, as we both know, that's what wins golf tournaments, and that's exactly what he did. Well, I, I know that, you know, he was in video game mode. You were zoned in as well, and obviously he's hitting all the shots and, and you know, making the putts and whatnot, adding up the score. But for you, if you look back and say, like, because there's some times as caddies in there where you can kind of, like, over-caddy a situation or, you know, maybe you got something in your mind and you don't say it and it doesn't go the way you want. Is there a moment on that back nine where you're proud of yourself for some time that you kind of gave some advice on a decision or a club or something that we were able to keep this thing going? Uh, I think it was probably 14 when we were coming out of the rough there, that par four where he hit in the left rough. I think it was, yeah, 14. And, um, you know, we were umming and ahhing about, you know, eight or nine iron. We knew nine iron couldn't get there, but it was just such a horrendous lie where, you know, honestly, I didn't know how it was going to come out. And that was, that was the biggest thing. It wasn't a moment where, you know, I stepped in and said, look, this is a club. You know, we discussed it really well as a team. And, um, you know, ultimately he makes the decision. And uh, we went with the eight iron and it came, and he said, first and foremost, he said, this needs to come out perfect for this not to go over the green, which, over that green is absolutely dead. So for it to come out the way it did, for it to land the way it did, you know, it's just one of those moments where you knew that this day was going to be special and there was going to be a chance that we're going to win this golf tournament because you definitely need them to win a golf tournament. That's for sure. Those good breaks. I I was listening to it for a little prep. I listened to uh, Shane Bacon and Marty Jertson's uh, podcast and they did it with Victor and then they had you on the next week. It was the same week and that was good stuff. I, I, I was curious, I learned some things in there, mostly about Victor and kind of some of the things that he's interested in, but I, I wanted to hear your take on it too. Just when it comes to decision-making, and it sounds like he has this poker mindset a little bit, um, and he's really interested in calculated risk. Um, I just kind of curious, you know, a lot of guys have stats guys and everything. I just want to hear your take on how you guys mesh together on kind of those moments where you kind of will be more aggressive, but you know why you're being more aggressive. Yeah. Cause he, he's a very aggressive player and I need to manage that as best as I can to not put us in positions where we don't want to be. And, you know, him taking calculated risks, perfect example was number 17 in Chicago. You know, we'd been hitting three wood off the tee every single day, the first three days. And we wanted to take that left bunker out of play and have the widest part of the fairway. Now, you know, come Sunday when, you know, like I said, he's a very aggressive player and he was just in automatic mode. And we're on the 17th tee and he's, you know, he's like, Shay, I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, Hobby, I know exactly what you're thinking. Let's do it. And, you know, he pulled out the driver and, you know, hit it with confidence and, you know, he split the fairway, which, you know, where the bunker is and where the rough is, is probably, you know, 10 to 12 yards wide. And uh, he did that and, you know, went on to make birdie on 17 and then obviously birdied 18 as well. But, you know, that's, they're the calculator risks that we talk about and uh, try to manage as best as we can. That's for sure. That makes sense. So that's kind of, you're just reading your player at that point and, and you were thinking the same thing and it came off right. And then there's some examples where you kind of have to kind of say, hey, let's, Let's fold this hand here and, and, and wait for some better cards and, and get in That's the That's exactly right, yeah. You know, you got you to pick your battles, you know, especially when you're coming out of the rough in the fairway. You know, obviously it's a little bit easier, but when you're coming out of the rough, you need more, 
um, educated guesses per se. And, uh, you know, I suppose that's where poker does come into play a little bit, but I don't play poker. So, you know, I don't really uh, know what he's talking about from that standpoint. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like maybe you shouldn't get any games with him either. Then he'll probably just hustle some money off you. Oh, yeah. He'll kick my butt. That's for sure. So then tell me about this. You guys win Chicago. It was an awesome win. And then you right straight away into the tour championship. And all of a sudden, you know, he's got a chance to win the FedEx cup, uh, really good opportunity. Uh, but I mean, he did, he, the way he finished Chicago was so dominating and so just like putting his stamp on it. Kind of what was the mindset that you sensed from him or from yourself when you guys kind of got on the plane from Chicago to East Lake. And then when you kind of, did your practice round stuff early on in the week in terms of like the presence he had, did you have a feeling that, you know, it was going to just be a continuation of that essentially? Very much so because first and foremost, he loves East Lake. He loves that golf course. It's tailor-made for him. You know, it is a driver's golf course or a ball strikers golf course, should I say, because, you know, first and foremost, you need to hit the fairway. If you're coming out of that, uh, that rough, that Bermuda rough, then it's really tough to, to judge. And he hits a lot of fairways. And, um, you know, the last couple of years, he's played really well at East Lake. We've just been too far back going into the final uh, final tournament. And for him to only be, I think he was two shots back, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, from Scotty. And, yeah, he just, he, his ball striking was was right there. Like, Joe didn't have to say anything at all during the week. We just, you know, we, we played practice rounds and he was absolutely striping it. Um, and all we really needed to do was focus on the short game because, you know, when we do miss greens around there, which he didn't miss many, but, you know, when we do, it's it's just reading the reading the lie and, you know, working out how it's going to come out. And, you know, everything fell into place that week. You know, he, he drove it really well. His iron play was impeccable. Um, and his putting, like, especially Sunday, those putts that he made on Sunday were just clutch. Yeah, yeah. Well, talk about that a little bit. I mean, just he's obviously got, you know, a knack for it. He, he loves sticking his nose in there. He executes um, and he's willing to get back in there if he doesn't. Like, talk about how he deals with pressure and embraces it. And then maybe also kind of because you're in there in the mix with him, too. I know you're not hitting the shots, but you're feeling a lot of the same feelings, kind of how you deal with that. Yeah, like, you know, and that's that's the player he is. He's he's an unbelievable talent. He's He's got a bulldog mentality especially when he gets in the hunt, especially when he knows he's playing well. He's just got no quit in him. And for him to do what he did, and like, like I said to him after the tournament finished, when you've got a six-shot lead going, you know, with 18 holes to play, there's a lot of added pressure that comes with that. And we knew Xander loved the golf course. We were playing with Xander in the final round. And the way Xander started, like, he was burning pretty much every hole. It was funny because we get up on number 11 and Xander had that putt pin high uh, left and the pin was front right. And, you know, this putt broke probably, I don't know, six or seven feet. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, Xander poured it in. And uh, I said to Kaiser, I said, are you guys going to birdie every hole or what? He started laughing. He goes, I hope so. (laughs) But, uh, you know, going back to Victor, you know, for the way he handled the situation with a six-shot lead, uh, the added pressure that comes with that. And to shoot 63 on Sunday when Xander shot 62, you know, just shows how good a talent he is and, you know, how much of a bulldog mentality he does have. 
Yeah, I, I mean Xander loves that place too. You talk about how you know Victor is playing it well. I mean Xander like just top exactly. five every year, so that was quite a matchup uh, coming down the stretch. You mentioned his coach too, kind of newer coach. Maybe he's had him for a couple of years now. I haven't followed it as much, but Joe Mayo is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, he's out of Las Vegas. What what what? The short game has been for people, you know, all of the people in the bleachers kind of talking Monday morning quarterbacking, you know, Victor's short game, this and that. And I finally got some good explanations this year just from him himself of just kind of how technically the way his full swing is, it wasn't really giving him the best opportunity with the short game. So he was having to kind of manage, you know, maybe having a short game approach that was different than his long game, or at least understanding that and, and getting some answers. It sounds like he finally has. And just talk about that progression, you know, from when you first got on the bag four years ago to kind of where he is now. And then, you know, how much of a strength has that turned into for him, you know, and, and is that the difference for why he's, you know, contending even more? I I think that's the the biggest reason why he's contending even more. That's for sure. Like you know, he's always been an unbelievable ball striker. Um, you know, great driver of the golf ball, probably the best driver of the golf ball in the world. Um, but you know, as everybody knows, his demise was his short game, especially on more difficult golf courses like major championships, where you know you're not going to hit every green and you you can't hit every green, and you need your short game to. Uh, bail you out of jail and um, he didn't have that at the time but you know as I said Joe's done an amazing job um, getting him on his left side keeping keeping the his body moving forward and getting the angle of attack a little bit steeper and uh, not exposing the leading edge that's the the biggest thing for him um, you know the last since pretty much since Riviera um, Joe's been working on it since then with him. And uh, as you can see by the results, they've uh, they've improved out of sight. Well, yeah, and I got to think, too, like he's just got to focus. So, like, when it's, you know, anytime he's chipping, certainly in tournament, but practice, you know, when he's at home on a week off or when you guys are getting ready for a tournament or after a round, like he's probably – even more excited to go chip and stuff because he he's learning this and he, he's able to kind of do it and it's working out well. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Lucas Glover, you know, earlier this summer kind of said, you know, I, I switched to this new putty method and I've been doing the same thing for 40 years and it was kind of fun to learn a new skill. And he's like, you, you get kind of a new skill in front of a pro and they're going to go to work with it. And, and, you know, if they've got good vibes with it, then it's like the sky's the limit. And that's exactly right. You know, it's funny because, you know, I struggled to get Victor on the chipping green, you know, when I first started. Like I knew that we needed work on it and I knew that we uh, need to work hard to improve what we did. But, you know, he never felt like uh, he wanted to do it because he didn't feel like he was working on the right things. And I understand that. But now now it's it's really tough to get him off the chipping green. So... You know, it's good from that standpoint. He, he's really enjoying uh, the progression and, um, you know, the results, you know, stand for themselves. Well, that there's nothing better than a pro that loves to go to the chipping green. I mean, you know that. It's just like you, you you give advice to younger players as they're coming up and stuff. Well, what do I need to work on? It's like you hit it as good as the next guy. Like you need to just chip and putt, chip and putt. And so you've got one of the guys that hits it the best in the world. And now he wants to go chip and putt all the time. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. Yep. That's <laughs> it's a good combination. That's for sure.
you mentioned the major championships too. I mean, and he had a really solid major season too. I was looking at that going back really to St. Andrews last year, he finished fourth there, uh, had a chance. And and then you started off this year at the masters and finished seventh and second at the PGA had a nice look at it there. And then a couple top twenties. Um, I noticed looking back, he had had two other top twenties in his career in the majors, but what have switch has flipped maybe since uh, St. Andrews last year, uh, in the major championships, what did you like? What you saw to your guy this year, and then like how much are you looking forward to those next year? Yeah, first and foremost, um, you know, I think especially with major championships, you need to show patience. And you know, him being a twenty-five-year-old kid, you know, people don't realize that he's so young because it feels like he's been out for a long time, and he just shows so much maturity. But you know, I think that's what he's got out of the most and and the other most important thing would probably be the fact that you know he doesn't need to go at every flag and major championships you cannot do that you need to pick your battles you need to stay patient and I think you know working with Eduardo Molinari um, his stats guy who's on the DP world um, Joe Mayo has been speaking about it in depth as well about you know staying patient picking your battles, not being as aggressive with the shorter irons, giving yourself 10 feet in a conservative area and, um, you know, giving yourself more opportunities for birdie instead of, you know, going at every flag per se and, you know, not uh, sometimes missing in the wrong position and then it's a guaranteed bogey. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that came out of this year and, I, and that's probably the most important thing, you know, moving forward towards next year and, uh yeah, just staying patient and, as I said, picking your battles. Yeah. And then you mentioned Eduardo Molinari there, and I've had a chance to work with, like, three different stats guys with different players over the years and stuff. I'm curious, how do you guys uh, integrate that into the game plan? How, how are you a part of that uh, throughout the week? Yeah, well, Eduardo always gives us um, information on each course on, you know, where to be, where not to be, uh, risk-reward holes, um, a lot of in-depth information, which, you know, obviously, you know, I'd be speaking forever if I uh, went into all the details. But, you know, he, he's obviously a player. He knows what you need on a golf course. And, you know, he's got a team behind him, which um, gives, you know, the right stats, um, you know, for the for a particular player. And uh, that's what he does for us each week. And, yeah, it's really helped considerably. Um, especially for new golf courses that we haven't been around as much, you know, the, the, the tournaments that we play, you know, year in, year out, you know, not so much, but when you go to a major championship and you get live data, which gives you really good, um, live information, you know, if you've got an afternoon tea time and he's telling us, you know, in the mornings, this is what people are doing. And, you know, this is where the risk rewards are. It's, it's really, uh, it comes uh, great information. I, I, really, I think it is too. And I really have enjoyed put integrating it into my caddying. And um, I think it's one of those things where um, there's a little bit of a song and dance, a little bit of an artistry on our side of the bag with it. Right. Because mm. you're kind of sifting through that information and sometimes it's a disregard. And sometimes it's like kind of a soft push through of what, you know, the stats guy is saying. And sometimes it's just like a, full stop like here's what it says and and you're and you're always kind of managing that that dialogue and that's the best thing about it like you know if your players i'm an iron about a decision and 
you know, you've got the information at hand. You're like, this is the decision. This mm-hmm. is the reason why the decision is. And it just give them, gives them confidence, you know, hitting the shot with clarity. That's for sure. Right. right. So uh, what I, I, you know, I was interested to hear in that uh, podcast that he did with ping, like I, we know, we know Victor's into music. Uh, but then he kind of says, I don't really pay attention to sports. Now, when I'm out there, Ken, a lot of guys, you know, everybody's into sports, right? So you're talking to your player about a lot of sports and stuff. I'm curious, kind of what do you guys talk about out there in between shots? Uh, it sounds like, I mean, I know he's a very curious guy. He, he likes to talk about, you know, a, a lot a variety of topics, I would assume. But it sounds like sports isn't like a big one for you guys. Uh, no, not really. Yeah, we uh there's a bunch of things we talk about. We talk about politics. We talk about, um, you know, there's some sports that we do talk about. Um, there's really nothing in particular, which, you know, we tend to stay on. It's it, it just, it could be a bunch of different, uh, you know, thoughts that we have in our head, whether, you know, you're talking about, I don't know, Instagram posts, whatever it is. There's really nothing in particular that I can put my uh, finger on, but, you know, there's always a good dialogue of conversations that we go through, but um, there's nothing really in particular that we stick to, that's for sure. Yeah. Not like sports where, you know, a lot of players, caddies, that's all they really talk about. We talk about, you know, everything and anything, to be honest with you. That's fun. That's good. I, and a lot of guys, I mean, he's he pops up on every guy's list of like, who do you want to go out there and play? Like when you get the parents, you're like, oh, I'm with Victor. This like everybody loves playing with him. He's got that smile on his face, uh, I guess, from your side of the bag. What do you see on why he's at the top of that list for a lot of other people? Because he's just such a humble guy. Um, you know, he's his parents did a really good job bringing him up. Um, you know, he, he's he's very polite. He's very considerate. Um, you know, I I know I worked for him and, you know, I've worked for him for four years. And, you know, I've got to know him really well on and off the golf course. And, you know, he's just genuinely a nice kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that's a big strength of his that we kind of touched on a little bit that I'm just curious of your take is just he's got this curiosity for improvement. Uh, Podrick Harrington comes to mind. Obviously, Podrick's twice his age, um, and and I and I think Podrick does a great job of being able to sift through things and you know take what he likes and dismiss what he doesn't and integrate it. Sounds like you know Victor's a super curious guy uh, on a variety of topics, but also golf. I guess talk a little bit about how he manages that uh, and makes it a strength for him and, and continues to get better. I think that's what might, makes him so good because he's always trying to improve. He's always thinking of what he can do to, you know, whether it's, you know, get a couple of meters out of his driver or whether it's, you know, hit a different shot with his, with his wedges. Like he's always trying to be the best person that he can be both on and off the golf course. And, you know, that's what makes him so good. And that's what makes him so personable as well. The, you you touched on the humbleness earlier too, because I'm trying to put my finger on this. Like he's, he's such an interesting guy when you hear him on that podcast. Like he is good. He knows he's good, but he doesn't have to tell you that he's good. And he'll kind of laugh with you about, you know, oh, that was a really sick shot. Like it's kind of like he's just endearing in that way, but like he's got this presence where, you know, you ask him on that post, like, oh, you know, what's that like when Rory McIlroy's, you know, hitting a bomb driver drawn down the fairway 340 yards? And he's kind of like, yeah, that's what he does. But, like, I feel like he's arrived in a sense, like, he is 
on that level right now with those guys. And he knows it, but he's not like, he's not cocky in a way that other guys have to be. I just, it's a really unique combination. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't know whether that's just the Norwegian mentality. Um, you know, you see a lot of, um, whether, you know, you look at Ludwig Aberg, who, in my opinion, he's got the same mentality. He's a very quiet kid, um, but obviously lets his clubs do the talking. Um, you know, that Scandinavian mentality of, you know, just going out there and letting the clubs do the talking and, you know, not being cocky about it, just going out there and doing your business and, yeah, being humble doing it. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue because I want to talk some Ryder Cup with you. Um, and and Ludwig made that kind of awesome win last week, and then now he gets picked, and it's, you know, going to be a great addition to the team. Have you had some chances to be out on the golf course with, with Ludwig at all this over the summer? Uh, no, I haven't. I actually caddied for him in a 36-hole U.S. Open qualifier, what was it, two years ago? Oh, really? Uh, when he first came out, it was just, uh, yeah, he needed a caddy, and I uh, helped him out after the memorial. Um, so I've seen it firsthand. He drives it really, really well. Um, and I think that's going to be really important uh, for this golf course in, in Rome. Yeah. You really need to drive it well around this golf course. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how much, uh, how much of a workload he does have. Um, obviously, being a rookie at 19 years of age, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles the situation. That's for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned the uh, the Scandinavian thing. So you got I was looking. You got him, and then Hoygaard uh, uh, got a pick the other day. And then yeah. you, got, you know, I kind of throw Sepp Strock in there. I don't know if that's fair or not. I mean, he's Eastern European, but like kind of those four. That's kind of an interesting little pod there of guys, at least in the team room in the evening, that are going to be able to hang out and and be at home. Yeah, for sure. And I think, well, honestly, being in that uh, Europe room. It doesn't matter where you're from in Europe. You know, everyone just bonds so well together. It's yeah. honestly, it's the the best week of my catting career by far. The just the way the Europeans bond together and everything. Everyone feels like you're part of a family. Right. It's, it really is such a special moment, which you know I can't put into words because there are no words to put into it but you know i've got goosebumps thinking about it now actually walking into that team room again i really just cannot wait um it's going to be such an exciting week whether we win or lose hopefully we win but you know just the the spectacle of it all and the feeling that you get out of that team room is uh second to none yeah well you got to experience it for the first time i think right at whistling straits and uh, you know as you think forward to rome uh what have the communications been like from Luke Donald to you or to the caddies thus far, just out of curiosity? Yeah, we had a team dinner um, the week of – where were we? Uh, we're overseas. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so we've had a couple of dinners between uh, – in the last three months. Uh, there's been communication between me and Luke. Um, I don't know if he's been in contact with the other caddies as well, but – you know, we've been uh, in communication, you know, on probably, you know, a weekly basis, I would say. So, you know, he's 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 done a great job with the communication standpoint, uh, with emails, etc., cetera, um, from Team Europe. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 
Yeah, it's awesome. It's a, <laughs> a top, top. I mean, I had my first guest on this podcast when I started earlier this year was Paul McGinley, and he was mm-hmm. great to come on, and I was able to pick his brain a little bit. And, I mean, he's one of the guys that just kind of kept this thing going for Europe, and and I know kind of he put his stamp on it, and it just it just continues on. It's just quite a machine. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's going to be a great Ryder Cup because I think the U.S. is in – really good form Europe. It's like kind of as the year's gone on, come to even stronger teams. So it's going to be really competitive. And I think you're going over like tomorrow or on Saturday. Are you going over for like a little scouting trip? Is that what I was figuring out there? That's exactly right. So we leave, I leave on Saturday, get there Sunday morning. We've got a, I actually got an email this morning explaining the whole uh, itinerary. So we play Monday morning. Um, Then we've got a, uh, just another fit in to make sure all our clothes fit, make sure I haven't lost too much weight. Um, <laughs> and uh, then we've got dinner that night. And then we fly over to London on Monday, on, sorry, on Tuesday uh, for the BMW, um, play there for the week. And then I fly home for a week, pick up my wife, Sherry. And then, uh, yeah, we fly back to Rome together. So it's, it's exciting. Oh, that's really exciting. Okay. Wow. What are you, you I mean, I, I was thinking maybe you weren't, you guys were going to be off until then, but it's, you got one more tournament to get in. The schedule fits pretty nicely that you get a little tune up, get to see it tune up, then a week off and then back at it. That's exactly right. Yeah. No, really excited about, uh, about the next couple of weeks. That's for sure. I love Wentworth. I love the crowds there. Um, and you know, obviously the practice round with the boys getting all together and, uh, getting the juices flowing. That's for sure. That's awesome, man. Hey, well, I'll be looking forward to seeing you guys out there that week. We'll, we'll stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. Enjoy uh, your little scouting trip and then having your wife there in Rome. That'll be extra special as well. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks for joining me, Shay. And it's always good to catch up with you. And uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks, Johnny. Talk to you soon, mate.